All right, let's go ahead and just pray. So, Lord, we pray over the word. We ask you to speak through me. We bind the enemy. Lord, let this go forth, we ask you, under an anointing and everything to be spoken that needs to be spoken. Lord, through me, everything will be spoken. And everything accomplished that you will to be done, we commit it unto you and we stand on the promise. Your word will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. All right, this is going to be the last sermon in the series on what brought revival. Is everything good in the back? Everything's all right. I'm going to ask everybody if you would, please, as little moving around as possible and just help me because I've got to cover some things tonight that are significant. And it just helps not distract not only me but other people. And let's really give the Lord our best ear tonight. How many love his word? Oh, I love the word of the Lord. All right, well, this is the last, and it's part nine, and I'm going to entitle this Mixture. And let me say a few things up front. Um, all of this, I'm, go I'm not going to dwell on it, but it's very important. I'm just going to touch on it and move on, because this really isn't where I'm going tonight, but I, I wanted to make sure this got in the series. The first thing I would say is we take it very serious about preparing the atmosphere here. And so things like before services, I'm up here early praying over the place, you know, maybe anointing, bringing, bringing this place under the blood. I speak blessings. Uh, we earnestly pray for every service. And so we get here, like on Saturdays, there's a, a 4.30, 5.30 prayer, and we have a faithful group that comes. But there's something about preparing the atmosphere. And we don't just walk in and pick up instruments and start playing. And I dealt in more depth with that type of concept in a series I did called Mikdash. Mikdash is just a Hebrew word that means sanctuary. I did a series where we talked about the atmosphere. We talked about a sanctuary. How many of you guys know that there needs to be a reverence about the presence of God and about his dwelling? You know, and, and that was really where that sermon series was coming from because it seems to me that the word sanctuary has been done away with and it's an auditorium. And there's something about what I just said. Remember this, there's a reason why certain words in history are either not used anymore or they're used in a different way today than what they were in the past. It's significant. And this is another one of those examples. People are no longer calling it a sanctuary. They're calling it an auditorium. And it's no longer a place of, of you know, worship per se in a lot of places as much as it is entertainment. And I'll deal with that as we go. Number two, be ready for spiritual warfare. If you don't know a lot about spiritual warfare, you need to start learning about spiritual warfare because if you want revival, there's going to be some warfare you're going to have to get on the other side of. The third thing is about deliverance and inner healing. Um, we deal with that in people in River of Life and to help people get all the junk cleared away. And as long as people are really sincere and humble, there's something about a person that is broken and contrite. They're really humble, and there's a, a godly desperation there. And when they come before the Lord, the Lord is going to set them free. And so you need to, I would just encourage people that are hearing this to learn about the deliverance and inner healing ministry to help people clear out the pollution and what's hindering them so that everybody can be spiritually healthy. I believe everything I'm saying right now has to do with why revival why God's been pouring out his spirit here the next thing I would say is you need to be willing to be who you're called to be don't try to clone other people's ministries or other revivals a lot of people try to do that God can't really move that powerfully through that because each one of us are called uniquely each person each church has a unique calling and destiny and you need to be who God's created you to be and not try to be like other people does that make sense? Be what you're called to be. All right. And then the last thing I would say, and this is what this sermon is about, and this is what I'm going to close this whole thing out with, is don't allow any mixture. And we're going to deal with that in depth tonight, okay? Don't allow mixture. God has always hated mixture. Um, I don't have the scriptures in front of me, but God told Israel to make sure and not, you know, plant like corn and wheat together, to not mix seed. God didn't want them to mix their garments. He didn't want them to mix breeding. 
he, he was always against mixture. It's really interesting because what Israel had in the natural, we have in the spiritual. There's a pattern in the Old Testament that is fulfilled in Christ in the new. But God has always been against mixture. If I could say it this way, you know, if you were to take, this is a good example I heard, if you were to take some water at a, you know, Walmart or whatever, you were going to buy a big old gallon of purified water, and it said on there, it said 99% pure water, distilled water, whatever, 1% sewer. How would you feel about it? Would you still buy it? Of course not, because there's a mixture. All right, and that's where I'm coming from tonight. All right, so I'm going to read 2 Thessalonians 2. If you're taking notes, you may just write that down because it's not in your notes. But I'm going to read it for the sake of space. We can only put so much in what you have. But as far as the notes go, that's going to be going out. We'll have all of this in there, okay? Well, this is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we request of you, brethren, with regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, that you not quickly be shaken from your composure or be disturbed. Now listen to the words here. Be disturbed by a spirit, a message, or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. So somebody had been forging Paul's letters and sending it out saying that the day of the Lord had already come, Christ had already, I guess, returned and gathered his people or whatever which didn't even make any sense. But Paul had to deal with that here. But listen to his words, because a lot of times people read over these things that to them may seem like little semantics, but they're not. They're important. Or number one, he said, don't be disturbed by a spirit or a message or a letter. Three different things. All right, number three, let no one in any way deceive you. How many knows in the latter days there's a lot of reference to deception? Jesus referred to it in Matthew 24. It's throughout the scriptures. There's warnings in the last days there would be deception. The Bible warns that there would be people that would listen to seducing or it could be called deceiving spirits and also doctrines of demons. Consequently, some, 1 Timothy 4.1, will abandon the faith. And we're seeing actually some of that today. So it says here, let no one deceive you. For the day of the Lord, talking about Christ's return, will not come unless the apostasy comes first. Now, that's probably the best translation of that word apostasia in the Greek, unless the apostasy come first. An apostate is somebody that at one time walked with the Lord, and now they've abandoned the faith. They've walked away from the Lord Jesus. This word can also, you know how many times you look up a word in the dictionary, and it'll have number one meaning, the number two? All right, this word in the Greek, apostasia, the number one meaning would be that you walked with the Lord and now you've turned your back on him. The second meaning would be like a divorcing. So the Bible says, let no one deceive you for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. That's the Antichrist, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple, displaying himself as being God. So there's going to come a point in time halfway through the tribulation that the Antichrist will sit in the temple in Jerusalem and demand people worship him as God, okay? Verse 5, do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? As you know, um, what restrains him now so that it so that in his time he will be revealed so there's some kind of a restraining force how many knows that the devil can't just do what he wants to do god has got angels in position god the holy spirit is moving there's still a remnant bride on the earth and i believe our prayers have power but nonetheless there is something that is restraining all of this there's going to come a point in time though that god removes that and things will move forward verse 7 for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed. So there's something restraining the Antichrist from manifesting. But there'll come a time that that will be removed. And it talks about the Antichrist. It says, whom the Lord, talking about Jesus, will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring an end by the appearance of his coming. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus is going to take down that Antichrist when he comes. 
That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. So verse 9 says that the rise of the Antichrist will be with false signs and false wonders. Are y'all hearing me? I don't have time to rabbit trail on that, but just trust me that there can be false uh, signs and wonders. And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish. See, the world is going to be deceived. Even now, many are being deceived by so many things. And here's why. It's going to say it right here. Verse 10. Let me start back at the beginning. Verse 10. With all the deception of wickedness for those who perish. Because, listen to this. They did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Everybody say the love of the truth. Let me tell you something. You better make sure that you remember that phrase because it's going to go along with this entire sermon tonight. And I've got, I'm going to read some things, but I want to spend some time reading some scripture because I feel like you need to know. And this is important tonight. So many are going to be deceived because they didn't love the truth. I think about the people that, that kept hearing over and over that, you know, the homosexual lifestyle isn't right. God's, you know, there's, they're not going to be in heaven if they keep living that way. They don't want to hear it. Eventually, well, I'm going to go ahead and read what will happen. Let's read it straight out of the Bible. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence, or you could read a strong delusion there, so that they will believe what is false in order that they may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. How many knows if God sends a delusion, you're going to be deluded? But I think about the people out there that are being told, you know, you can't keep messing with this occult stuff and call yourself a Christian or whatever. You can't keep messing around with sexual immorality. You can't keep messing around with these, these drugs and substances and these things that are bringing bondage in your life. They don't want to hear it. And they keep on and on and on. And eventually, because they didn't have a love for the truth, eventually... God will release this delusion upon them and they'll believe a lie. Verse 13, but we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work. So this was a serious issue that Paul was dealing with here. So tonight I'm going to take you on a, a downward spiral, if you will. I'm going to give you seven things that I believe that are in the Bible and I'm going to give, give them to you in the order that I believe that they come. That is like a downward spiral of the devil that brings people to a place of darkness and deception. Okay? And we're going to start in the first place being the flesh. The carnal nature. Okay? Now let's start here in your notes with James chapter 3 starting with verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. See, many people don't realize it, but there can be a bitter jealousy and a selfish ambition. We've got to be careful that we're not having this selfish ambition, and many people do, that whatever you're trying to do for the Lord, you're doing out of your own selfish ambition. I believe that's probably one of the greatest problems in the ministry. And I'll talk about that. Hopefully I can get into that tonight. But anyway, this is the wisdom that, is, that does not come from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. So I put there some synonyms. Earthly can be worldly. Natural can be soulish. In fact, soulish is a better translation, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and every evil thing. That's, that's serious. This is some scripture I would encourage people this week. Fold this up, put it in your Bible, hang on to it, read up back over it, and pray over it. 
and let it be something you keep referring back to these are some very serious things he said where there's jealousy and selfish ambition there's disorder in every evil thing did everybody notice every evil thing i mean that's a serious warning but the wisdom that's from above is pure then peaceable gentle reasonable full of mercy good fruits unwavering without hypocrisy and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace all right and then acts 16 16 it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer now the apostle paul was going to prayer and he had with him his traveling companions but as they were in this specific place here there was a slave girl there having a spirit of divination now divination can be it's actually the greek word python which is python so it's a spirit of python all right so she had a, a spirit of divination or a spirit of python who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling following after paul and us and she kept crying out saying these men are bond servants of the most high god who are proclaiming to you the way to be saved to the way of salvation zombie can read this and say that she's actually saying the truth she's saying the truth so it's like a a true um accurate prophecy if you will but it's from a illegitimate source it's from a, de a demonic spirit She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out of her that very moment. So I want you to see that even though this girl had accurate information, it was still demonic in nature. And I'm going to deal with this tonight. I'm going to deal with counterfeits. I'm going to deal with mixture because God hates mixture, and he wants things to be pure. And I know that many times where you're dealing with certain people that, that have a, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but, you know, maybe they have Jezebel tendencies in the past and, and they love to prophesy and they definitely want to be prophesying over people and they want to be laying hands and there's something in them that they just feel like they have to do that. But a wise pastor knows that it is not of the Lord. They know that they may be getting accurate information, but it's from a python spirit. And it is not something you want released in that church. And so they have to, a pastor has to deal with it. A lot of times I've found, and it's very sad, but most people don't want to, to deal with these things. And a minister can come to them and really try to talk to them. Instead of being humble and really receiving it, and getting on their face before God going home and really praying and I mean this literally praying fasting getting on their face and saying Lord if there's any of that forgive me take this out of me see that would be the proper response but I'll tell you that most of the time you're not going to get that sadly a lot of people will get offended they're going to get angry they're going to get defiant they're going to double down in their position and they're going to begin to have a real problem with you and they're never going to change and it's sad because many times the very thing that's in their life that's causing them to to be an issue in a church once they're gone from that church that very thing will begin to turn on them and they'll begin to have a lot of problems health battles financial loss relationships divided all kinds of problems because they refuse to deal with them and many times i've seen these people later and it's really saddened my heart because I think to myself, I know that they're in a, a very sterile place spiritually, very dry. And it really grieves me deeply because I'm thinking to myself, right now they should be in revival. Right now they should be free. Don't be like that. Let God do a work in you. Amen. Let, I want him to do a work in me. And I'm sure all of you feel the same way. But, but let God do it. Let him do it. All right. So I'm going to give you seven things. The first thing is carnality all of us have a sinful nature your flesh your body your body adam and eve when they ate of the fruit they sinned it was in their body and so your body uh, has a sinful nature and you're going to be wrestling against that until you die one day and then eventually we're going to be given glorified bodies you know but nonetheless as, as you live this life in christ you're going to have to learn how to crucify the flesh you're going to have to learn to die to that sinful nature and live according to the spirit 
And you'll find that that primarily comes through prayer. That as you spend time with the Lord, the Lord will help you to bring that flesh under. There's going to be times that you have to make very difficult decisions, but it, you know, and it's going to seem like everything about your flesh doesn't want to do it. But if you'll die to the flesh and you'll make a wise decision led by the Spirit, you'll be so thankful for it down the road. So I'm going to show you some things in Scripture. There's too much mixture among God's people, number one, with the flesh. Galatians 5, starting with verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets itself against the desires of the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not earned the law. So in other words, you're, you've got this battleground, but then every one of us have it. You can either live by the flesh, or you can die to the flesh and live by the Spirit. Now I'm going to read what Paul said or deeds of the flesh, and I'm going to give you some synonyms that I looked up based on the Greek words. Here they are. Number one is immorality. That word can also be adultery. Number two is impurity. That's the Greek word porneia, where we get the word pornography from. There's something that if people aren't careful, the devil can like cast out a fish hook and can hook them in their eyes, their eye gate, and begin to draw them in deeper and deeper darkness. Number three is sensuality. And that actually carries in the Greek word a definition about being defiled. So you're seeing the very first three things about the flesh have a sexual connotation to them. Adultery, impurity, porneia, and then sensuality. Then he goes on, idolatry. We know the worship of other gods, etc. We know that that's obvious blatant idolatry. But let me tell you something. Anything, any relationship, money, anything that you put before God is an idol anything that's alongside him anything that if god told you i want you to give that up that you know that you wouldn't give it up that's probably an idol in your life right there also anything you trust in other than god many people don't realize it but they're trusting in their 401k they're trusting in their job they're trusting in medical science they're trusting in a lot of other things they trust in their diet they trust in all the things that they're doing to give them health to protect them whatever they trust in a lot of other things but our trust needs to primarily be in the Lord. Be careful with things that you trust in instead of trusting God. The next one is sorcery. And that can also in many translations is witchcraft. And I put there the occult. And we know that things can start out in the flesh, but they can become demonic quickly. And when you're dealing with this right here, what witchcraft is, is trying to control other people. Whether you're trying to control them in the flesh or whether you're trying to control them through the dark arts, regardless, it boils down to one person trying to exert control over another person. And that, in essence, is the biblical definition of witchcraft, okay? But in, in this case, I believe that this word implies any type of the occult, in any type of ungodly control and see the flesh you're dealing with manipulation you're dealing with intimidation people will man there's so many different examples but they may be really nice one minute to get something then they can be really hateful mean the next they there's this passive aggressive control um, people will dominate a conversation you can't even get a word in edgewise because they're just going to talk the entire time and that is a form of control. They're controlling the conversation. And whenever they're pinned down, they may start trying to cry to get you to feel sorry for them to control. They may be seductive sexually to control. You have to be aware of these various techniques of the flesh to try to manipulate and intimidate and control you. And don't put up with it. All right, we're going to move on because I can't rabbit trail on that too long. Enmities. This has to do with hatred and fighting. Strife has to do with division and debating. Some people just can't walk away from stuff. 
They've got to get their last word in. They've got to, you know, debate and everything else. Also, jealousy. How many people out there deal with being jealous? Maybe a jealous wife and, and her husband really isn't doing anything, but they're just so jealous. That's the flesh. Also, outburst of anger. Disputes. That can be translated contention. And dissensions. Now, dissensions is serious. This is where things are out of order. This is a real issue in America where people don't want to come under authority and they don't want to do what they're told. They know there's rules and they know that things have to be a certain way and they know somebody's got to be in charge and God puts somebody in charge, but they're not going to submit to them. They're going to find a way around it. That's dissension. And it will breed division. And then you have factions. Factions is where you got this little click over here then you got this little click over there and then this one over here and they don't really like each other. That's factions. And then you've got envying. This is where you're envious of others, but it implies in the Greek ill will. So you, you wish ill will on others. Then drunkenness, then carousing. Carousing is just let loose. It's debauchery. It's just living uh, loosely in a party lifestyle. And he said, and things like this, of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If people live in this, I don't care if they call themselves a Christian. I don't care if every shirt in their closet is a Christian t-shirt. I don't care if they go to church every time the doors are open. If they're living this way, the Bible says they're not going to go to heaven when they die. I grieve because I really believe that we're living in a society where a lot of people go to church because it's a social event. But I fear that if there was some kind of a mass bomb or something went off, you'd be shocked how few of them are going to go up uh, how many of them will go down but he said the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness fruitful or faithfulness gentleness self-control against those things there is no law now those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires first corinthians 3 3 for you are still fleshly for since there is jealousy and strife among you are you not fleshly are you not living like mere men? In James 3.16, which I'll repeat, I read it earlier, for where there's envy and jealousy or envy and selfish ambition, you'll find disorder in every evil practice. So this is the flesh. This is a description of the flesh. And when Paul describes the flesh, there's not one good thing in the whole list. You ever thought about that? There's not one. But anyway, Paul's saying here that we have to learn to die to the flesh. And one of the reasons why the church has so many issues many times is because there's so many people that are still in the flesh. They're carnal. And where you're going to see flesh in the church, here's what you're going to see. It's scary, but there's a lot of people that are not even born again in today's churches. I could rabbit trail on that for a long time, but it's supposed to be a gathering of Christians. I'm all about evangelism, which y'all know we go out all the time. We're going to go out tonight witnessing. Our group went out last night witnessing. Thursday night was in the prisons. Uh, we do a lot of witnessing, a lot of outreach. Trust me, all the time. But whenever Christians gather in church, it's supposed to be people are saved. Bring your lost people to get saved, but we're not supposed to be pastoring a bunch of unsaved people that are not going to get saved. There's something wrong. Hello? And it grieves me. There also people are caught up with what their flesh wants. They're selfish and self-centered. They're not going to make a sacrifice. They're not going to come when it's inconvenient. Have you ever noticed that some people, if life gets busy, you'll notice that it's the things of God that's going to take a back seat. They're still fleshly. People have not learned to die to the flesh and live according to the spirit. And that's a scary thing because you have in a lot of places, you have an ungodly mixture of flesh. 
people whine. They still, they'll be saved, supposedly saved for a long period of time. And they still got their little diaper on. They're holding their little blankie with their left hand. They're sucking on their little bottle, whining and crying because they don't like this. They don't like that. Somebody was this and they want the carpet this color. It's flesh. The next downward spiral from the flesh is earthly. That word up before that I read, earthly, I'm, I'm going to use two different synonyms, earthly and worldly, to describe two different things, okay? But the next one is earthly. People are way too caught up with the here and the now. Please let this get to you tonight, guys, all of us, me too. Listen, I'm thinking about tonight that, you know, when we preach along these lines, if the Holy Spirit's really moving, and if this is really the word of the Lord, all of us are going to be squirming a little bit because we know we need God to deal with all of us. But we need to be careful not to get too caught up with the here and the now. You ever notice that the Bible says God hates Esau? Did you know what the issue with Esau was? Esau built a stone house. Now, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived a nomadic life. They lived in tents. They saw themselves in the land of Canaan, but it was like they were just passing through. And the Bible says about Abraham that he was looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. He knew he was just passing through. He didn't get too many roots down. And how many knows that we're living this life here, but we're just passing through. But very few people live that way. They don't think that way. Instead of having eternity on the mind, they're totally focused on the here and now. And Esau built a stone house among the Canaanites and married Canaanite women. And here's, I'm trying to say certain things tonight to really help you. I want you to please hear this. I want you to think about, because I'm trying to protect people from deception. I want you to hear this. I want you to think about how many of today's sermons are all about what you can have here and now. And it's not about things that are eternal. We're talking about mixture. There'll be some truth preached, but there's also a lot of error. It's a mixture. I believe God wants to bless us, but we're passing through. This is not our home, and we don't need to be caught too much about all about this life and, and all the things that this... Jesus said, don't build up treasures in this life where moth and rust destroy, but have eternal reward. We need to be focused on kingdom business. Seek first the kingdom, and those other things will be added. And you know what's scary? The book of Revelation makes a clear distinction. If you read Revelation, study it, between people that were earth dwellers and those that were not. Think about what I'm saying. People are so caught up with this present earth and, and their life here and now, instead of thinking about one of these days, and who knows, it could be next week, I'm going to be standing before the Lord. I need to be thinking about what matters in eternity. How do I live today if Jesus is coming tomorrow? And Steve Hill, you say that all the time. He said, this thing may go on and on, but we need to live as though the Lord's coming tomorrow. How much different would your life be if you really thought about that? What if the Lord came tomorrow? How would I live today? That really is something we need to start thinking about. All right, and then this is the next in the downward spiral is worldly. Worldly entertainment and the pull of the spirit of this world worldliness you guys know as well as i do that this has crept into the church there's a lot of carnality there's a lot of the focus on the here and now and there's also a lot of worldliness it's mixture first john 2 15 do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him it doesn't seem to me like you can hold hands with both James 4, 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Again, I don't think you can have both. It seems to me like these are mutually exclusive. It seems to me like God is, is dropping a sword down and saying you're going to pick which one you're going to have here. John 15, 18, Jesus said, if the world hates you, 
you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. I'm going to read you something that Derek Prince wrote in his book, Protection from Deception. It's a really good book, but just please listen to this. In dealing with the spirit of this world, he said, I once had a problem with dealing with nice, charismatic people. Most of them loved me. They believed the Bible. They were not leading openly sinful lives. But when I began to minister in certain areas, I came against a strong, invisible force coming against me. The pressure of this force was tremendous and almost physically painful. Although these people were believers, they were slow to grasp spiritual truth. I thought, whatever am I dealing with? And God showed me the answer in 1 Corinthians 2.11. I was dealing with the spirit of this world. Even, even in these good people, the spirit of the world reigned. They had little time for God and for prayer. They spent more time watching television than reading the Bible. Unwilling to make any significant sacrifice, they always put their own convenience before the things of God. My eyes were open to realize that you can be as religious as you please, but the spirit of this world can still control you. And he said, my wife and I began to pray for these people, and as we did, things started to improve. But that's a bondage. That's a bondage. And so too many people are getting so caught up with this world system and the entertainment of this world. I don't even know, I couldn't even tell you all the latest things, all the latest movies and music and different things. I don't keep up with it. I don't even know. I mean, you might hear something here and there, but we don't even know because we're not caught up with this world. I'm going to read you some fruit here of this. Some people watch way too much TV instead of reading the Bible or praying. Okay, we already mentioned that. Not willing to have any sacrifice for the Lord, all right? But you know what? Some people are defiled by allowing things through entertainment that shouldn't be in their life, and they know it. Deep down, they know it. They, they're trying, something's trying to desensitize them through it, to it, rather, but they know it. They know that certain things that may be sexually explicit or may be really grotesquely violent or occult, they know that that doesn't need to be in their life. But yet they still go to the movies and watch it. They still have it in their home. The world has crept into many uh, of the church folk today. Y'all hear me? You're, you're hearing a lot of people that profess Christianity. They'll have foul language just like the world. They cuss. They're sensual in the way they dress just like the world, exactly like the world. They have all kinds of ungodly entertainment. They'll be at church, but then they'll go out to the club scene and party. They're in all kinds of worldliness and they don't understand it, but they're in such a horrible bondage. And it concerns me because just like I mentioned earlier, I don't know if we got this in the sermon, but I was talking about it earlier, that, you know, there's, there's this mindset now of, it, you know, church is an auditorium. There's people that are up there on the stage, the smoke and the lights. They're, it's like an entertainment. It's like a concert feel. And it's like the world has crept in. Hello? There's a mixture. And that leads me to the next one as we go down this downward spiral. The flesh, people are caught up in the earth, then they're caught up with the world too much, and now soulish. Earlier when I read that scripture, soulish is actually the best definition for that Greek word. This is the realm, listen to me guys, this is actually very important because I want to make sure that River of Life understands this. The Bible says in Hebrews that the word of the Lord is a sharp double-edged sword, what? That will penetrate between spirit and soul. So God wants us to understand that there's a difference between what's of the spirit and what's of the soul. His word helps us to understand that there is a difference. His word is a sword that will help differentiate between what is of spirit and what's of soul. But a lot of people don't know the difference. The soulish realm is a realm that will stimulate our human desires, but it is not really the Spirit of God at work. What I'm about to say actually is extremely important. I hope everybody really gets this. But in this soulish realm, 
is the realm many times where people that have false prophecies even though the prophecy may be accurate it's because they're in that realm of the soul the book of Ezekiel talks about how some people will prophesy out of their own imagination this is the realm of human logic in the realm of human emotions most people sadly are led by human logic and human emotions they're led by their soul and the soul is the area that's the battleground it's the area that the devil tries to influence he tries to influence the way people think and the way people feel that's why many times people think they're being led by God and they're not they never have developed a relationship with the Lord for themselves see there can be like a soulish excitement about certain things there's people out there that have learned it I call this charismatic witchcraft and I think you understand why they've learned how to manipulate a crowd by their charismatic personality they can say certain things a certain way they'll shout and scream and start yelling at certain points there's nothing wrong with getting excited I'm not saying that but what I am saying is is that you better be careful though because there are some that have become master manipulators and they know how to whip up a crowd into a frenzy and get them all excited and screaming and yelling and and all this and it's not the spirit of God it's just the soul their emotions are whipped up but it's not the spirit of God it's charismatic witchcraft and there are certain people in the in the realm of what I call charismatic witchcraft that they go from conference to conference exciting thing to exciting thing but they cannot humble themselves to have a local church hello they live in this realm of the soul they can't even humble themselves to have a local church where they submit under a pastor and they have things the way biblically it's actually supposed to be they're going just from hype to hype and many times they think that they're so much more spiritual than others they carry kind of a spiritual pride about them but they don't realize that they're just soulish music and entertainment can feed the soul many times you go into a place and there's the smoke and the lights and it's exciting and the music is incredible and it sounds amazing it sounds like somebody's playing a CD but that the thing is is that some of that is really anointed and really good but some of it is just hype and soul Jesus said that true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth but too many people aren't getting past the soul it's just an emotional thing it's just an intellectual thing and in this realm now you have motivational speeches so-called sermons that just make people feel good but they don't really change them or challenge them or convict them people can go week after week to a lot of places and never hear a sermon that will help them get out of the very sin that could send them to an eternity in hell literally they'll never hear it all they'll hear is how good they are how much God loves them you know what God does love people he loved them enough to send Jesus to die a horrible death but all of our message can't just be all the time love 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 if your so-called love is sending people to hell it's not real love it's illegitimate and you can't hear all the time just grace 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 listen God is a God of grace but he's also a God of judgment he is a God of love but he's also a God of wrath and he is going to be a, a severe judge one day in this warm season of grace that we have right now to repent and get things right with God is one day going to be turned to a chilling season of judgment and wrath there's praying many times and the teaching of the word that is just soulish people pray out of their soul they're not really praying at the unction of the spirit their teaching is just intellectual but it's not birthed in the Spirit of God it's not a rhema word 
It's just intellect. And this is the realm of religious witchcraft and charismatic witchcraft. It's also the realm of false prophecy. And this is where many people are, and they don't realize it. God is wanting us to get out of this soulish realm and get into the spirit where he can give us pure revelation and we can have a pure relationship with him. And then as we're going down, this is a downward spiral. The flesh, the earthly, the worldly, now the soulish. How many places out there today, and I'm saying this to try to help people, but how many places out there today is only um, stimulating the soul but it's never penetrating people in their spirit and affecting them eternally if i wasn't right with the lord i would want to go somewhere where i was convicted and god brought me to repentance i wouldn't want to go somewhere where somebody's sitting there telling me how good i am and they, they gave me this really nice latte and you know everything's so cool but yet I'm, I'm going straight to hell I wouldn't want to be in that situation if I was not right I would want somebody to tell me alright so the next stage going down this downward spiral is the demonic realm now a counterfeit spirit has moved in and these counterfeit spirits are at work and people have no idea that they have a counterfeit. They think it's the Holy Spirit. A counterfeit spirit will speak to somebody's mind, will, will manipulate their emotions, and it deals in that soulish realm. That's why it's so important that people cultivate a relationship with the Lord. The Apostle Paul said that, you know, I believe it was the... The, the love of God, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that fellowship is uh, koinonia. It implies like an intimate fellowship. You know, we've got to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's vitally important that there's that we know his voice, we know his leading, we know his presence, and when something else is present, it's... See, the Apostle Paul, if he didn't have true discernment, that woman with the python spirit she was telling people the truth you know what that thing was trying to do it was trying to bring a mixture into paul's ministry see paul was in a region where that type of thing was very common most people would go to the fortune tellers like that it's very common and so paul comes in and he's bringing the power of god he's bringing something pure heaven is invading earth and in the demonic there there's a clash in the spirit realm and the devil's not able to stop paul because paul's going to keep preaching the truth so he wants to bring a mixture and so he tries to bring this girl that's got a false prophet spirit about her the fortune teller and but she's saying everybody listen these are servants of god they're telling you the way to be saved she's telling them the truth if paul did not have discernment see a lot of people think that just knowing the bible alone will give you discernment it helps yes we must know the bible but see this girl was telling the truth if you're just going to go with just the bible alone this girl was stating factual information somebody would think that hey you know well maybe she's a true prophet of god or something you know you have to learn to have discernment of the spirit of god because Paul, it said that this happened day after day, and the thought may have crossed his mind, well, hey, maybe, you know, maybe she got saved last week or something. And the thought may have crossed his mind, but it didn't stay very long. Because in his spirit, he was feeling agitated and annoyed because he knew it was the rantings of a demonic spirit, and he had enough of it, and he turned around and commanded to come out. There's people out there that, that don't understand what discernment is and they mock it and I'm going to give you a scripture here in a moment in Hebrews they don't understand true discernment we have to know the word that's ex extremely important but you also have to discern things by the Holy Spirit there's, there's both and a lot of people will mock that but it's important and so here now we're dealing with the demonic realm 
1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 1 Timothy 5, 22, do not be hasty. Now listen, I'm going to give you a couple different things here. Do not be hasty about laying on of hands, and do not share in the sins of others, but keep yourself pure. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 says, know those who labor among you. So I'm going to give you a couple things here real quick that's extremely important. I want you to please give me your best ear. The Bible says to test the spirits. What has blown my mind, because I would consider myself very much to be a part of this, you know, the revival crowd. That was my roots. That is my roots. And I'm still very much connected to revival and those that are revival people. And we're a revival ministry. Y'all know that. And I love revival. And I love the power of God. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I love God moving in a, in a supernatural way and touching people. Love it. But I am not having a mixture. I'm not doing it. And that's got me crossways every once in a while with a few people. But I'm not having a mixture. If it's not God, it's not God. And I'm going to tell you something. There's, in this revival crowd, there's some wonderful people that love the Lord. And many of them are really solid. But I have been shocked at how many people, though, they're not, not only are they not going to test the spirits, but if you feel uncomfortable about something and you know that's not the Lord, they're going to accuse you of being divisive. And they're going to kind of persecute you because you're not entertaining that I'm just telling you from experience several different times and I'm not doing it and I believe that's one of the reasons why God's presence is here so strong and has continued to be here is because I don't want a mixture I don't want some cheap counterfeit of revival I don't want some watered down thing I don't want something that's got some demonic twinge to it you know in some places there may be truth that's preached but there's also error in some places, the Spirit of God, you can sense that there's an anointing, but there's also a strange spirit as well. And God does not want mixture. So number one is testing the spirits. Number two is don't be hasty about laying on of hands. Listen, God can pour out His Spirit in such an incredible way in a service. And let me give you an example. So at some houses in Africa, there would be, you know, the rains come down and the houses are built to where they have, the roof will catch the rainwater and then it's gathered down like a cistern and then the people can use it for cooking or whatever. Well, the rain, there's nothing wrong with the rain. But sometimes as it gathers in the cistern, it comes out and and they use it if the water remains in there over a period of time it'll start getting some worms in it start getting dirty and then they have to it has to be boiled before it can be used uh, maybe some of you are seeing where I'm going with this so there's not when God pours out his spirit it's pure and beautiful but sometimes there's certain people that as as things begin to flow through them the waters start getting muddied now. It's not really pure anymore. You can look in their life and you'll see red flags. You see their homes out of order. You see that there's rebellion. You see that there's pridefulness. You see a history of problems. And that's not somebody that needs to be laying hands praying for people. And a wise pastor knows that and is not going to put up with it. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of places that it's just a free-for-all that anybody can lay hands on anybody at any time. There's no screening. That's dangerous on multiple levels. I'm just dealing with well-meaning Christians that as it goes through them, it may muddy the water because they're struggling with stuff. They're praying for people, but they're going home looking at pornography and they're addicted to it and, and all the things that go along with that. And then they're coming back the next night praying for people. That's muddied waters. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And so God doesn't want us just to have this free-for-all. There's got to be some kind of a protection. And it sums up in this, in 1 Thessalonians 5.12, 
to know those that labor among you. And the word know those, the word know there is not like you know their name and you shook their hand last week. It's intimate knowledge of their life that you know them and you know that they live the life. And so there's going to be a purity there as they pray for people. God is wanting us, I take, I take this stuff very seriously as a pastor, but even praying for people, I take it very seriously that make sure everything's always real pure. And because I'm going to tell you something, one of these days we're all going to stand before the Lord and we're going to give an account and ain't nobody else going to be there. It's going to be you and Jesus. It's going to be me and Jesus and we're going to be by ourselves and we're going to give an account. And I am not going to let stuff go on in a church I pastored that I knew in my heart it's wrong. I knew it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't God. I knew it was mixture. But because so-and-so was going to get ticked off at me or because this person would leave or because this person would turn somebody against me because this, I would buckle and forget it. Look, in this life, we may have some people that just don't like us. It's not really that big a deal, to be honest with you. What really matters is that the Lord is pleased. Amen? So now, I'm going to close with these last couple things. The Bible says in Acts 17, 11, now these were more noble-minded than the Thessalonians that they received the word of God with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if the things were of God. And so the Bereans were people that tested things. They were open to God, but they, they wanted to examine things just to make sure that it was really God. You see what I'm saying? The Bereans were, hear what I'm saying? They were open to God. They were open to maybe something God was doing, something maybe that was new to them. They were open, but yet they wanted to test it to make sure, is it really God though? And the Bible commends them for that. We need to be like the Bereans. In the last two points, you're going down this downward spiral, the soulish, the demonic. Now, because people have allowed the demonic to be at work, you have mixture. Now the waters are polluted. There's a mixture of good and evil. It's like Israel that was worshiping God, but at the same time they had idols in the temple. They were burning incense to other gods. It's like there's this weird mixture that's come in. And just like I mentioned, there's a lot of carnality in a lot of places. There's a lot of worldliness in a lot of places. Here's also something that's very concerning to me. Now there's also things that are occult in places. Now you hear about people that are having yoga in the church. They're having different occult stuff, new age stuff, weird things that aren't God. And it's concerning. I think about it, it grieves me, but I think about the children that, that are, you know, things like Harry Potter mixed in. I think about the youth, that, that things like that are coming in. It's a, it's a cult. And where there's a mixture God's not going to tolerate it. See, in the book of Ezekiel, God showed Ezekiel the, the idol that was in the temple that they were worshiping. And God told Ezekiel to go dig under the wall. And God gave Ezekiel a vision where he saw in the temple of God there was all these weird things that had been etched into the walls and things that were being worshipped and prayed to. So it was like the temple was, was this ungodly mixture and in the book of Ezekiel, it shows that the glory of God, like a cloud, was in the Holy of Holies. But because nobody was repenting, the glory of God lifted up above the Holy of Holies and began to move out and, and, was, and hovered over the holy place. God was looking for somebody to weep between porch and altar and be an intercessor. But it's the very prophet Ezekiel that said there were no watchmen. But God was looking for somebody to fall on their face and say, Lord, don't go. We repent, forgive us, Lord. And he hovered over the holy place. Nobody prayed. So God moved out to the outer court. Nobody prayed. God's glory completely left. And once people are allowing things that are demonic and they're allowing counterfeit, then it's the last one is Ichabod. The glory will depart. There may still be a residue anointing and there still may be some gifts at work because the gifts are without repentance. But the gifts and calling is without repentance. So there can still be yesterday's oil, there can still be gifts at work, but that fresh move of God and that glory is gone.
And now a strange spirit has crept in. And let me just say this. The Bible talks about in the last days that there would be some things that were very deceptive and there would be some things that are counterfeit. Don't be a people that fall so in love with the supernatural that you're just going to swallow anything. Test it. God tells us to test it and God will bless you if you test it. See, a lot of people think that God will be upset if they question something. No, he won't. He's glad that you're doing it. If it's really him, it'll be proven to be him. So how do you test it? Safeguards against deception. It's not being critical. It's not being suspicious of everything. That is the soulish. See, once again, you're dealing with a soulish counterfeit discernment where you're just going to look with your natural eye at something you think is weird. Just because it's weird to you may not mean it's not God. You listen with your natural ear. You, you, you try to use logic and reasoning in your human mind. No. The way is, is that you look in the scriptures, make sure it doesn't go against the word of God. Let me give you an example of something that would be against the word of God. I know that God moves in an awesome way, and I know that God has, has people have seen angels in services, and it's totally God, 100%. I know that, there, that God moves in a sovereign and supernatural way. And we've seen some amazing things here as well. But there's, um, there's been various apparitions. They're called the Marian apparitions where supposedly the Virgin Mary is appearing to people. And people are seeing this. It's a physical, literal thing. They're seeing it with their eyes. And people think this is God. But I'll tell you why it's not God. Because the message that this being is saying goes against the bible it's saying that basically it's the way to salvation it's putting itself above jesus you see what i'm saying so number one you need to make sure that it doesn't go against the word of god but here's i'm gonna close with these safeguards but hebrews 5 14 solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil you have to train your inner senses. Your inner senses, you, you begin to understand. Like when you come to church tonight and we begin to worship and the Spirit of God begins to move, you know, because you've been here long enough, you know what that feels like. You're familiar with the presence of the Lord. You're familiar with the Holy Spirit. So the more you're familiar with that, when you, when you get around something that's not good, it's another spirit, you feel uncomfortable. And it's not, it's not that you're looking critically or you're being suspicious or you're being judgmental or you're being hateful. It's not like that. But it's just in your spirit, you're like, something's not right. Well, here's the last, here's the safeguards, humility. There's probably very little deception that didn't begin with pride in somebody's life. Remember that. I don't have time to really go into detail, but just humility, humbling yourself before the Lord. Number two is the fear of the Lord. I am very concerned at the flippant attitude that people have before God. They come to God's house. They think that Jesus, if they saw him, they just give him a high five or something, and, you know, bump knuckles. Give me a break. If you saw Jesus, you'd be pinned to the floor under his power. There needs to be a holy fear of God. The next one is believing and obeying scripture. Believe it. The Bible says they would be false teachers, false prophets, counterfeit spirits, etc., etc. It says it. I believe it. And I'm going to obey it just to simply test things. Not critically. I'm open to God doing whatever God wants to do. But I'm not just going to blindly swallow anything either. So test the spirits. And the last couple things, I don't know if this is your, in your notes, but commit things to prayer. If you feel uneasy about something, commit it to prayer. Let me give you a quick story about that. Dr. Cho said that his church, you know, they had so many people getting saved in Korea, you know, large crowds. And he said there was a lady, he just happened to notice that this lady was praying for people. 
and there were people lining up to get prayer. There's nothing wrong with people praying for people, and there's nothing wrong with somebody that has a true prophetic word. That's awesome. But he said, though, that when he heard her and he saw it, he didn't feel good about it in the spirit. He said that she was giving accurate information, but there was something about it that just didn't sit right with him. So he went home and prayed about it. And the Holy Spirit told him she's operating in a familiar spirit. So he goes back to church and tells her, listen, lady, um, you're not going to be praying for people anymore because the Holy Spirit told me you're dealing with a familiar spirit. Now, you know, we can help you get free from that and get victory. And all. She didn't want it. She just got offended, got angry, began to buck up against him. She, she felt she didn't have what he said. So she left the church. But nonetheless, he prayed about it, heard from God and dealt with it. And the last thing is this, examine the fruit in people. Is their home in order? Is their life right? Or do they live right? Do you see a purity in their life? Examine the fruit. I remember hearing about this one minister that was coming. Automatically, I knew something wasn't right. Because, I mean, I, I know a lot of preachers. And, the, and 99% of them are wonderful, humble men of God, women of God that love the Lord with all their heart. They're awesome. Every once in a while, you get somebody. And I remember hearing about this guy coming. And uh, I was with a group of people. And they were asking his secretary about what we should get him. And, I mean, she's saying that his favorite things have to do with alcohol and tobacco products. And I was like, um, I was telling the guys with me, I was like, why are y'all having this guy? They still had him. It wasn't good. I was persecuted because I didn't go along with it. But um, it is what it is. I'm not having a weird spirit, and I'm not doing it. All right, and this is the final scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. The Bible says in the King James, it says, test all things and hold fast to that which is good. Test it. All right, so Lord, as we close out this series, we thank you because we want a pure move of God. We want to see people getting right with Jesus. We want to see people healed. We want to see people delivered. We want to see the power of God. We want to see an awesome move of your spirit, but we want it to be pure. We want it to be real, that there's not going to be some weird mixture. And Lord, we thank you for it. We bless you, and we ask you to seal this night. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.